Get the support you need from our partner Handful, the maker of our favorite sports bras. Choose from seven styles of bras in an array of colors, including glorious new spring options. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15. Framebridge makes it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite art prints, posters, and photos. With Mother's and Father's Day around the corner, Framebridge also makes the perfect gift, and select gifts ship next day. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code AMR to save an additional 15% off your first order. Jiminy's is the maker of sustainable dog food and treats made with cricket protein that is better for the environment. Cricket protein is also a superfood that is delicious, nutritious, and easy to digest for dogs. Save 25% on your first purchase. Go to Jiminy's.com slash AMR25 and use code AMR25 at checkout. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing in endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wassner Flynn, your co-host on AMR Trains. Happy to see you, Dimity. Good to see you too, Sarah. And um, we, uh, you're just getting back from a little time in in the Sunshine State, hanging out with Mickey yeah. and some family. So, um, yeah. I'm always curious because you have four kids. The oldest again is how old? He's 13. 13, and then Nell is two, right? Um, yeah, it's hard to keep track. I know. So I have, um, Oh, not now. Oh, maybe. Sorry. Gosh, sorry. (laughs) I can't even keep my kids straight sometimes, (laughs) especially the two in the middle have end names. And so we're always getting those mixed up. So yeah, 13, 11, nine, two. That's okay. Okay. So 13 to two, Maeve is the little one. I see her the most, but I somehow call her now in my mind. (laughs) Okay. She's a social media star. Yes, she is. She is. So I'm just curious. So, you know, you did, you, 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 you drove down there, right? From, from yes. your house, right? So you we had, a, mm-hmm. and I always feel like traveling with kids, especially, you know, the younger ones, like you think it's vacation, but it's really so far from vacation because <laughs> you don't have a routine. You don't have, you know, your own kitchen, you know, a, a pantry full of snacks, their own beds, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, did you work out at all? And this is not asking like, you know, judging you if you didn't, I'm just curious if you did and how you did it. Yeah. So I was joking to my husband during that long, very long car drive. I was like, okay, so every time we stop, if I get out and I run like 800 meters, that'll (laughs) add up to like three miles at the end of the day. He's like, you're crazy. Um, (laughs) So there were days where I didn't do anything because we were on the road, but um, we had time. Like we kind of spaced it out um, because we're traveling from Maryland to Florida. So stopped in South Carolina. I did run in Charleston. Unfortunately, like I had this vision of running like, you know, on the battery in Charleston and the way it worked out with timing and where our hotel was, it was very uneventful run in a mall parking lot of all places. (laughs) Like this is a first, but we were just staying in North Charleston where my, my relatives are from. So state ran around a mall parking lot. And then, um, Disney world was a workout in itself. So I think we walked like, you know, six miles or something crazy like that. Um, so those days, no, I didn't, um, you know, some people are hardcore and get up really early and like go work out and then go and do this epic day with their family. But I was like, I need to be, first of all, we had to be up early to get to Disney world. Um, so those two days I gave myself a pass and then we actually ended up in Sarasota. Um, and we were staying at my aunt's house and she has a lovely gym and a beautiful place to run. So I did run those days that we were there. Um, I worked out in the gym, I'm getting back into the lifting. So I feel like I was pretty active the whole That's time. Pretty good. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. And then, you know, I, I'm not like a, 
crazed work. I need to work out every day. So like, if I have to take a day off, like then I just get back on the horse the next day. So this week was fine. You know, getting back into like my regular routine back at home, has been good. So I feel like I got a little bit of a break and a little bit of a good boost and it was all good. Yeah. I have to say Disney world worked its magic on me. I was very skeptical. I know people (laughs) are going to be like, how could you ever be skeptical of Disney world? I was like, it's going to be hot. My kids are going to be awful. It's going to be expensive. But you know, in the end they, they were so happy and we were like, okay, we'll roll with this. And they got along and we had fun and the lines weren't terrible. And like, I don't know, it was great. It I does. I mean, there is this, some pixie dust there, I will say. I mean, because I, yeah, I mean, we, we were not a family that grew up going to Disney World. And I mean, my kids came when I, you know, when I, we were doing something out in Disneyland, they haven't been to World yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is just something that kind of takes over and and families are are magically <laughs> pretty happy and well behaved. a good time. Like it's all, that's all it is. Like I for some reason was blown away by the amount of strollers there because there's like thousands of strollers. But I'm like, why wouldn't there be strollers? This is the age group that you know that's catering to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was fun. And actually I missed the deadline, but I, I didn't realize it. The Disney marathon, I think it opened up on what yesterday or day. Yeah. Before. Yeah. No, people are posting about getting into yeah, and I dopey was like, and goofy. Why didn't I get on that? Like I would have done the Disney marathon the whole time. I was like, I wonder where the course goes. And the kids were like, you run a marathon here. This is so awesome. So, um, in the future, I know they have other races. I yeah, they have the princess. You might want to, yeah. uh, I would personally uh, investigate the half marathon um, just because the yeah. marathon, from what I understand, and I am not hardcore Disney, so I know <laughs> that hardcore Disney people are love the marathon, but it's a lot of, you know, the roads that go in between the parks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't, you know, make 26.2 miles out of, you know, Epcot. Um, right. So, uh, but but it's fun. It's fun. The only thing that I would say is the, is the issue is you've got to get up at the, ridiculously early because they want people out before the parks open so i mean i remember you know i i, I mean <laughs> it's it's very it's bleak it's bleak yeah <laughs> that starting time is bleak but then the you know the enthusiasm and the way that the race goes off and all the characters and stuff very and fun. everybody dressed up you dressed up when you did it right we did we did i mean yeah. dressed up yeah. you know yeah. i mean we were probably like a level two you know compared <laughs> to everyone else who's like a seven eight to ten but um but yeah but anyway, well, I'm glad you're back and I'm glad that you had a good time and um, and that it all worked out well. Yeah. Switching gears, we are thrilled to bring on fabulous guests today who are beyond accomplished women in their own right and have recently teamed up to write a book together that just hit the shelves yesterday. Yes, many of you will recognize the names of Neely, Spence, Gracie, and Cindy Kuzma, who are fixtures in the running scene. We could probably dedicate an entire show to their accomplishments alone, but here are their bios in a nutshell. Neely is a pro runner for Adidas and a coach in Boulder, Colorado, plus a mom of two adorable little boys, Athens and Rome. Great names, by the way. She has a 234-55 marathon PR, and here's a timely fun fact. She was born on the day her dad ran the Boston Marathon in 1990. When she made her own Boston debut in 2016, she was the top American and finished ninth overall. And Cindy is a prolific writer, runner, and a coach who lives in Chicago. Her bylines regularly appear in Runner's World, Women's Running, the New York Times, Outside, and more. Um, And she also co-hosts the Injured Athletes Club podcast and has many other projects to her name. 
Together, Neely and Cindy have teamed up to write Breakthrough Women's Running, Dream Big and Train Smart, which is a comprehensive how-to guide on finding your own breakthrough as a runner. Through personal anecdotes from Neely as both a runner and a coach, as well as profiles of other women runners, the book offers tangible takeaways and advice on elevating your training. It really does cover it all from sleep to injury prevention to pregnancy and postpartum fitness to nutrition, and much more. Yeah, it is a completely an encyclopedia. So well done, you guys. It's very, very fun to read and very helpful to read. And there are also training plans for every runner from the 5K all the way up to the marathon. Lots of positive affirmations and mantras to try. And we just love that stuff around here. So, so excited to talk. Welcome, Neely and Cindy. Thank you. Yay. Do we even need to talk after that amazing I know, intro? I know. <laughs> you guys <Yeah>. nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We're thrilled to be here. Awesome. Well, so, and we are going to, um, we have, you know, we, we will introduce you both, um, like, so that people know who we're talking to. So Neely, uh, you will hear your voice first. Tell us about your motivation to write this book. Yeah, it all started for me back in college whenever I was kind of looking for something like this and wanted more information and I couldn't find it. And so I kind of had this idea like, you know, someday I want to create what I wish I had. And two years ago, Cindy and Human Kinetics uh, reached out to me and the opportunity just kind of unfolded from there. Um, and so I, I was so excited, um, to say the least, and I'm kind of obsessed with how it all turned out. Yeah. It's such a great book. So Cindy, tell us what drew you to Neely's story. Sure. Well, you know, I've been writing about these kinds of topics as a journalist for years, you know, because as I always say, journalists don't have problems, they have story ideas. And so many (laughs) of the topics in this book came, uh, you know, I've covered in the past, uh, either because I had questions about them myself, or my friends did, or my editors did. And um, so when actually, I'll give credit to Michelle Earle at Human Kinetics, who approached me a couple years ago and said, we really want a training book that's by women for women. And we'd love you to pair with an elite runner and coach to talk about this, to, to bring this idea to life. And Neely was someone who came to mind almost instantly. I had connected with her as an expert source in the past, and she's been so great to work with because she has the perspective of being both an elite athlete for years and also a coach who's worked with runners at every level from beginners to Olympic trials qualifiers themselves. So that's kind of what led us to approach her. And like Neely, I'm really proud and pleased with how it all came together. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I did say it's an encyclopedia and it's a, it's an accessible encyclopedia. It's not like the, you know, the Britannica that you have to like pull off, you know, volume by volume on your shelf. But I mean, Cindy, was it hard to pinpoint exactly what you wanted to include in the book? Uh, like how did you guys work together to kind of organize it, figure it out, call what maybe didn't fit anymore? I mean, it was it was hard to narrow it down. I mean, I feel like there are so many chapters, for instance, the pregnancy and postpartum chapter that could be an entire book in and of itself. And I, I hope that yes. it is later on. But mm-hmm. our idea was really to give people at least a framework to think through these issues and to recognize that they're not alone in dealing with them. I mean, so often what we hear from people is that, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I could even ask questions about running after pregnancy in this way. Or, oh my gosh, I had no idea that hormones even influenced my performance. And so we made sure we knew all of the topics that we wanted to cover and that we at least gave people enough information to uh, start to put together the pieces for themselves. And, and Neely, I would say, I don't know if you agree, but you know, once we met and started talking through it, we came up with a chapter outline 
And that pretty much stayed the same as we continued working through the book. I mean, we rearranged the order a little bit, but you know, most of the basics that we wanted to touch on from the beginning ended up being in there. And again, I, I think, you know, I, I hope that people can and do write and have too wrote, written much more about some of these topics too, but I'm glad that we could put together something that gives people a complete guide in this way. Nice, nice. Um, and so Neely, you have been a coach since 2013, as, as Cindy uh, mentioned. Um, that's almost as long as you've been a pro runner. So how do you strike the balance between pouring in all the effort into your own career while also supporting so many other runners and then, you know, raising two kids and writing a book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because I feel like I just don't really know how to relax or how to like not have a lot going on. Um, So to me, like this is just my normal life. um, And I kind of just thrive amidst um, being pulled in several directions at all times. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I started my business in 2013. I turned pro um, in 2012. But I think one of the things that was maybe, you know, a blessing throughout um, much of the book writing process was that we were in the middle of the pandemic. um, And so I wasn't going anywhere. We weren't doing stuff. It was a lovely like break um, to have something to focus on and like something that um, I wasn't stressing about. Um, and so it was actually like really perfect timing there. Um, and you know, I kind of like to talk as Cindy knows. And so (laughs) he and I would spend lots of hours every week talking, um, as we were kind of creating, uh, our ideas for the book and organizing. And, um, you know, we would each sit on, um, our computers and, have uh, Google Docs up and like we could see each other typing and <laughs> like mm-hmm. back and forth. And so that's kind of how it all um, played out. And it was, it just ended up being good timing um, in that regard. And then I ended up getting pregnant with Rome that fall. And so right when I thought things would start to get busier with my own running, things actually went the opposite way and I was less busy. So um, I think our, our only the the biggest challenge I guess we had was that um, the deadline, the, our original deadline for the book fell um, right after Rome was um, right after his due date. And oh, so we kind of bumped everything two weeks earlier. Um, okay. And our human, human kinetics, they were like super fine with that. And Cindy was super gracious and was like, yes, like we'll work extra hard and we'll get all this stuff done. So we moved up the deadline, but then he was born two weeks early. Um, so oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> the, oh. day, the day we're supposed to submit everything. Um, Cindy and I had on our calendar, a meeting, um, and it was 9am, um, on a Monday morning and he was born at 10 30 AM on that Monday morning. So oh my gosh. Say, I missed, 
I missed the final day. <laughs> but it was okay. And Cindy handled it on her own very easily and managed without me, which was great. <laughs> this is this is a credit to how organized and um, you know, Neely is is a pro. I mean, the question you asked her was how she balances everything. And I would say that she stays extremely organized and is very good at kind of compartmentalizing and focusing on one thing at a time, getting what she needs to get done and then moving on to the next thing. So we were in an amazing position. She sent me a sent me a text that said my water broke. And I was like, great, well, I'll be sending this in and we should be all set. And we were, so she just, um, (laughs) you know, I I think that she has learned uh, probably from her experience as an athlete that it pays to have schedules and and deadlines and give yourself grace and understand that things might change along the way, but um, to just stay communicative and open and uh, work on, (laughs) work on all these projects in in tandem. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like true teamwork too. Like just how you guys could, you know, you could pick up the, any slack Cindy and, and figure it all out. Not that I'm sure there was any slack on Neely's part, but um, <laughs> oh, it, it was, it was exactly like what you said, um, where we just, we were able to work, work really well together and we had ourselves set up in such a good position that we knew if that were to happen, that it was all going to be fine. And it was not a stress on my end or on Cindy's end. I didn't feel like I, you know, dropped the ball and left it all to her um, and, you know, vice versa. So mm-hmm. yeah. what a, what a um, yeah, like just what a great, like, I mean, literally two weeks, because, you know, like you said that, you know, I, I know for myself, it's like, okay, the deadline's Friday, but I'm really going to try to get it done by Tuesday, you know, and then mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday comes not done Wednesday, not done Thursday, and then finally get it done by, so for you to actually like stick to this kind of imaginary <laughs> deadline and then have that actually be like the real deadline. So, I mean, yeah. that's yes. amazing. As all writers here, I think we're very impressed by that because yes. I'm the person <laughs> who pushes the deadline to the very, very last second. So, yeah, yeah. and I, I went, my daughter was born in 2020 and I um, was writing up until giving birth to her and then had a due date a deadline two weeks after my due date, which I would not recommend. So I was yeah. writing after <laughs> <two weeks. laughs> and then you're just like in a cloud of fog and not making sense. So um, it's better to get it done beforehand for sure. Um, well, let's go, let's circle back to the book. Um, this is kind of on the topic of timing, but so you, you start things off by talking about goal setting and Neely, you write, or you too, right? Anyone can say they want to run faster, but actually turning that intention into results takes small, tangible changes to your everyday habits and routines. So I love how you get really get into the nitty gritty of goal setting, especially how long it can take to achieve that goal. And Neely, you mentioned that your dream client was planning three years ahead. So in your experience, what's the ideal timeline for going after a big audacious goal? Of course, I think it depends on the individual, um, just like everything. (laughs) Um, But, you know, honestly, I find personally for me that it is most helpful um, when I'm working with an athlete and they come to me and they have a big goal that we have several training cycles to work with um, each other to kind of get to know each other, um, to see some like weaknesses for me to figure out their strengths, um, and to really be able to like build because in distance running, especially, um, like your fitness and the outcome of that season 
it's not just based off of what you did for those three months before it's based off of like the several years um, prior to that. And so it's, um, you know, something that I think is easily forgotten because especially in our culture, um, I feel like it's much more of like, okay, I'm in like the here and now type of thing where it's like, I'm going to go all in and I'll dedicate for two months and that's all I can do. Um, and that's just like, not how distance running works. If we've looked back over time, we see people who like have just really consistently chipped away bit after bit. And that's how they've seen like their big results. Um, and it was the obvious next step. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that came out of nowhere and they haven't put in any work, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, that's not how it, how it goes. And so for me, yeah, I would say, you know, at least like a year, um, if not more, Mm -hmm. um, really helps us kind of be able to go through several cycles of training together. Um, and so, you know, as a coach, that's what I found to be most helpful as an athlete. Um, you know, I've recognized that if I have a big goal, um, you know, I'm kind of working pretty far back from that goal to figure out what I need to do to get there. And, um, you know, I hope that that kind of comes through in the book also that, you know, it's, it's great to have a 12 week plan that you can follow. Um, and that's a great first step, but there's like this, this cycle, um, that is really important, um, to go through all of the correct phases of training and then, the rest period in between the training blocks and then the resetting and going through it again. So the body really starts to know kind of the rhythms of it. And, um, that's one way that you can really help like break an injury cycle or, um, you know, kind of remove a plateau if you feel like you've just kind of been stagnant. Um, and so, you know, it all ultimately kind of starts with a rest phase and then going through the phases that I kind of outline in the book, um, where you're, you know, progressing through your fitness, um, and working different systems within your body and, you know, getting yourself in the position to be able to work towards your goals, um, now and then your goals in the future too. So having like goals along the way is also really key. Mm-hmm. Well, and so Neely and Cindy, if you want to chime in here too, um, you know, what about choosing the right goal for you? I mean, I think I'm the oldest one out of the four of us or five of us, including Alex here on this podcast. And so I think sometimes it's hard to imagine goals like, you know, when you're 55 or when you're 60 or, you know, maybe even, you know, 42, you know, because you often feel like your prime is, is past. And then there's just so many things, even, even if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm a young full and I'm, you know, 32 and ready to really see what I can do. There's just so much out there and um, so much momentum right now to do everything running. You know, you can see everything from relays to ultras to Boston to whatever, you know? So, how do you suggest about, how do you suggest like taking a step back and figuring out what you want to do, what feels right for you? Yeah. So we, I, 
I personally think that one of the best ways to think about goals and then set goals is to think about what is exciting to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Cindy and I have talked about this, but we were like, this is the time where in social media is actually really good because you can look through and you can be like, oh, whoa, so-and-so did this race or so-and-so did this goal. Um, and like, that's awesome. And that is inspiring and that's exciting to me. And that kind of can help spark some ideas as to what you might want to pursue for your next goal. Um, so I think that the excitement factor is the biggest key when it comes to, um, you know, what you're going to be working towards okay. and, and, uh, you know, if there's that little spark that gets ignited, you feel that little flame burning, then, you know, okay, this is right. This is where I want to go. This is the direction that I'm looking and what I want to aim for. And then it's kind of, okay, well, what's the timeline? (laughs) What, you know, am I looking at in terms of, is this feasible for this season or is this a next year or several years down the line type of goal? And then what are the steps that are going to get me from where I am right now to where I need to be? And do I need other little goals along the way? Um, Mm -hmm. And how's that going to look? So you know, for example, if someone wants to qualify for Boston, um, and the qualifier is three thirty, but they haven't broken four hours yet, then that would be okay. First, we have to break four hours. Then we need to run three forty-five. Then we need to start thinking about that three thirty. How long will that take, and what's that going to look like? Um, versus someone who's maybe run three thirty-five and is like, okay, I'm right there. I just need to tweak a couple things, have some stuff come together. Um, and what am I kind of missing? And then that is an opportunity where, you know, okay, maybe that, maybe that can be a, this season type Mm -hmm. of goal. So I think that's, that's the approach that I typically would have, um, when I'm kind of talking with, um, an athlete, uh, and when I'm personally looking into races and race ideas, what about you, Cindy? Yeah, just to piggyback on that, I think Neely makes an excellent point about social media. And this is something that I've kind of used even in my professional career as a writer too. You know, sometimes you feel that little bit of envy at someone else's accomplishment. You see that someone did something else cool and you're like, oh man, I wish I did that. And I think what we realized is you can take that and turn it around and think, well, why can't I do that? Like, why don't I set that as my goal? Like maybe that envy isn't really, you know, a negative emotion, but it's something that can guide you toward a future goal that does excite you and inspire you. So I think that that is uh, a key thing that we realized as we were putting this together. And then to your point, Sarah, I mean, I am also a master's athlete and I will not be running as fast probably as I did in my younger years. But one of the things that we really hope came through in Breakthrough is that Breakthrough doesn't just mean a fast time. It's any kind of performance that is really meaningful to you or shifts your idea of what's possible. And, you know, a fast, a PR or a qualifying mark is only one possible type of goal to achieve. There are so many other ones. You know, I was just in Boston for the marathon last weekend. And I know one of the athletes in our book, Tina Muir, um, ran as a guide for an athlete with visual impairment. And she's had some amazing professional achievements, but she said that that was one of the most meaningful experiences for her. Same with Shalane Flanagan. She ran Boston with Adrienne Hazlitt, who, you know, lost her leg in the bombing there in 2013 and finally was able to come back and compete and finish in the race 
race in the way she was proud of with Shalane as her guide. And that was incredibly meaningful for both of them. So those can also be breakthrough performances and goals that can excite you. You just have to kind of look at it a different way. And the similar concepts of goal setting and working toward those goals can apply. Totally, totally. Um, well, and Cindy, just tapping in, um, you know, to your kind of your injured athlete mindset, and that's, you know, that's not all just like wah, wah, but what happens when you deal with, you, maybe you don't reach that goal, whether that's injury or, you know, you don't have the, the race you want if you're going for a time or something happens where you fall short. I mean, what do you guys recommend doing when you don't have the day, the, you know, the achievement that you dreamed of for a long time? Sure. Absolutely. And we know that this is like almost an, uh, inseparable part, like a inevitable part of the athletic experience. Um, setting these big goals, setting any kinds of goals almost always means that sometimes you're going to fall short. And there are a couple of things that we recommend both in, um, breakthrough. And also I've learned about from my experience writing about injury before the first thing is to allow yourself time to be disappointed, to kind of almost wallow in it a little bit, to sure. recognize that this goal was important to you and you fell short and it's it's okay to feel sad about that. Um, you, you know, there's, there's not really like a suffering Olympics. There are worse things that can happen in the world and worse things probably have happened to you, but that doesn't diminish the fact that you put a lot into this effort and that you have the right to feel, to, to grieve a little bit, that you didn't achieve that goal. Um, the the funny thing about doing that is once you allow yourself the time and space to process those emotions, you often find that you can get to the other side of them and can start to refocus on what's next. You kind of accept what happened. You adapt. Okay. You think through, why didn't I achieve this goal? Did I not allow myself enough time? Was there a small step that I could have taken that I didn't take? Or was it just not my day? Was it the weather, the luck of the draw or something that I couldn't have controlled? And based on that analysis, then you can kind of set your next goal and move forward. And I think that's another um, really big uh, advantage of kind of the long-term planning, planning that Neely was talking about. If you have one bigger goal and lots of small goals along the way, you know that each race, whether you achieve the specific goal you set for that race or, or any kind of um, competition, whether you achieve that goal or not, you're, you're making progress along the way, as long as you learn from that experience. So uh, one of the things that we found both in, you know, my talking to Neely for this book and us talking to so many other athletes is that often the biggest breakthroughs came after a setback like that. So I think it's all just a part of the journey and kind of both allowing yourself to be upset about it, but then taking the steps to keep it in perspective and refocus on what's next. Um, those can put you in position to achieve more than you even thought possible later on. With me being injured for two plus months and swimming instead of running and strength training, my fitness gear has gathered some dust. So it is with great delight that I've been pulling on a handful of Y-back broad tights and a tank top to strength train with my trainer and occasional co-host, Brittany. During a warm-up walk, then lifting, I'm reminded why I ditched all my old sports bras and now only wear Handful bras. The fit, the feel, and the profile of Handful. All Handful bras are made from smooth, quick-dry fabric that's an eco-friendly recycled polyester, offering the perfect amount of stretch. They also all have removable pads, which I, as a perma-headlight gal, appreciate the modesty. But if pads aren't your thing, they're easily removed. More about Handful's fit. The bra's wide band and straps provide excellent support, while the Y-back design on my favorite style keeps those straps securely in place. If you want high support but aren't keen on pullover styles, check out the Closer from Handful. It's a racerback bra with a zip front closure. The Closer and the Y-back are two of the seven styles of bras Handful makes, 
all in an array of colors, including several new shades for spring and summer. They're all so pretty. Follow my lead and fall in love with Handful Bras. Save 15% at handful.com with promo code HANDFULAMR15. Again, that's 15% off with code HANDFULAMR15 at handful.com. Let's be honest, I suspect a lot of you are like me with loads of photos on your phones that you've been meaning to frame but haven't gotten around to doing it. Meet Framebridge. Framebridge makes it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite things from those phone photos to art prints, posters, and kids' drawings. With both Mother's and Father's Day on the horizon, Framebridge also makes the perfect gift. Select gifts even ship next day. Here's how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your items online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners get 15% off their first order at Framebridge.com using code AMR. Order online at Framebridge.com or stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. I used Framebridge to get two dance photos of my son framed to hang in our living room. I simply uploaded the digital images, then had Framebridge consultants recommend the frames based on a few simple questions. I am so happy with the results. Check out our Instagram stories to see them. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code AMR to save an additional 15% off your first order. Again, just go to framebridge.com, use promo code AMR. Framebridge.com, promo code AMR. Earth Month is coming to a close, but please continue being kind to our planet. One way is by reducing your dog's carbon paw print with Jiminy's sustainable dog food and treats made from cricket protein. Yep, cricket protein. Jiminy's is sustainably made as cricket protein uses less water and land to produce and drastically eliminates greenhouse gas emissions versus traditional animal protein dog food. One bag of Jiminy's cricket protein treats saves 220 gallons of water versus traditional animal protein treats. Dogs love the taste. In addition to cricket protein, Jiminy's contains delicious, nutritious plant-based ingredients like sweet potatoes, blueberries, peanut butter, and pumpkin. Jiminy's is also good for dogs with food sensitivity or dogs with allergies. Insect protein is considered hypoallergenic for dogs versus allergy-triggering proteins like beef, chicken, fish, and soy. My beloved pup, French Bulldog Augie, loves Jiminy's Cricket Crave dog food. He can be a picky eater, that Augie, but when there's Jiminy's in his bowl, he eats it with gusto. Augie's favorite new Jiminy's treat is Nooch Puffs. Nooch, rhymes with pooch, is a nickname for nutritional yeast, which delivers a cheesy taste but without the dairy. More sustainable, and based on Augie's love of them, delicious. Please check out all Jiminy's dog food and treats made with cricket protein, a sustainable superfood that is delicious, nutritious, and easy to digest for dogs. To learn more and save 25% on your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR25 and use code AMR25 at checkout. That's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S dot com slash AMR25 with code AMR25. So another part of the book, which I found extremely interesting, was what you call surprisingly unchartered territory, which is running during pregnancy as well as postpartum fitness. It just seems crazy to me that in 2022, there's still such a dearth of information for women 
runners who are pregnant. So I had an 11 year span between my first baby and my fourth. And the doctors were giving me the same advice when we mm. discussed running. It really didn't change. It was like, you know, keep your heart rate low and, you know, don't push yourself. And I just wanted more concrete um, information, which I did find in your book, which was awesome. So Neely, can you just touch on why it was important for you to share your experiences and offer advice to new moms and pregnant moms, pregnant women? Yeah. Well, like you, I felt like, um, you know, there just was not a lot of information out there. And I had talked with so many other, um, you know, pregnant runners and they too had said that they had received very little support. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, even from the time I had Athens in 2018 until I had Rome, I felt like there was starting to be this like little shift. Um, and there was some new research that was coming out um, in Canada where they were saying, you know, yes, like being active um, when pregnant is not only beneficial for the mom, but beneficial for the baby. And I'm hoping that there will be more and more, um, of, you know, that mindset as we go forward here. And so I wanted to just make sure that that information got out. Of course, there are times where, you know, medically, um, we like the, the mom cannot, um, be active the way that she wants to. Um, but if, if you're having a healthy pregnancy, um, and, um, you know, everything is kind of tracking as usual, then it's very beneficial. And so I just wanted that information to be out there. And obviously, you know, everyone's body is going to handle it differently. My pregnancies were super different, um, because of, you know, my body just was a lot more stressed with my first pregnancy and a lot less stressed with my second. Um, and so I had to listen to my, listen to my body there, but it didn't mean that I couldn't be active. Um, it just meant that I had to kind of figure out what that looked like. And I wasn't able to be active to the same extent that I was before. Um, and then, you know, everyone's going to have a little bit of a different experience there. And so that part I think is kind of the reason why there hasn't been a ton of information, um, put out there is because the experiences can be so unique, um, that there isn't anyone just like right way and right answer. But I think that, you know, if we look back across women's running, um, in history, right. Like in the, um, you know, 1920 something Olympics. Um, that was like the first time women were even like allowed to compete and they were only competing in like sprint events. Um, and it wasn't until <laughs> Joni was able to run, um, in the first, you know, Olympic marathon, um, for the women. And, and like, there's just all these things that when you look back, like we are very, very early into, um, the women, in running. And so now this is kind of carrying over with, um, pregnancy and running and hopefully, you know, we'll continue to see these things shift. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, this is, this was a really important chapter for me to have in this book. And I think that there will be, um, you know, a lot of women who feel that, um, this information will 
help them and support them. Um, and you know, it kind of started because I had a bunch of people, um, who were messaging me whenever I was posting about being, you know, a runner and being pregnant and continuing to run during my pregnancy. Um, and I would get a lot of, um, questions through Instagram and that was like really helpful because it kind of sparked this, like, oh, I'm not the only person that kind of felt like there wasn't a lot of information out there. Everyone's kind of feeling like there's not a lot of information out there. And, um, you know, it was very interesting because there were even some people from other cultures who were reaching out and they were like, yeah, like literally I can't run. Um, cause it's like, so frowned upon here. Um, and that was like really sad to me. So, um, but then I would talk to people who like were in Canada, different places. And they're like, oh yeah, like it's super common here. And they tell you to run and like, you know, so it was like really interesting to see, like, hopefully we can all kind of make, um, those forward strides so that it's recognized that, Hey, it's, you know, we figured out that it's okay for women to run sprints and then it's now okay for women to run marathons. And now it's like, yes. And women can run while they're pregnant. So we're going to get there someday. <laughs> step by step, right? We're yes. getting there step by step. Well, yeah. so, um, so go, go ahead. Did you want to add something? Cindy? Yeah, this is Cindy. And just to follow up on that, it was 1928, <laughs> the year that women could first run in the Olympics. And I think another piece of this is just the dearth of research. I mean, as I know, you've talked about on this show before, and we touch on in the book for years, there weren't even women in exercise science studies because they, you know, much like in medical research, you know, researchers sure. thought, oh, the hormonal fluctuations of a menstrual cycle will interfere with our research. So we can't study women, which <laughs> so- then made it really difficult for to have research that applied to women. And then when you factor in pregnancy and the fact that people want to be very careful that research is not harming pregnant women, uh, pregnant people or their babies, um, you know, that there just really was very little, if any, um, research behind exercising during pregnancy for a long time. And one of the researchers whose um, work we quote in the book, and I've talked to her for articles, Dr. Margie Davenport, she studies heart rate and pregnancy at the University of Alberta in Canada. And when she was pregnant, they told her, yes, keep your heart rate under 140 beats per minute. And she's like, I know that there's actually no scientific basis for that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she, where women are not alone in not having the very good guidance on this in part because the research just hasn't been done to, um, to back up, you know, what women can and are already safely doing. So I'm really glad that we're getting to the point where that's starting to change. There are researchers who are, um, you know, putting together studies that help show what women like Neely and all the elite runners who've come before her, uh, know that this running is beneficial and there are lots of ways that you can make it even easier and less stressful on your body and healthier for you and your baby. And, so I'm, I'm glad that we're starting to see the tide turn on that and that we could um, do a, a, do our part to kind of contribute to this information getting out there. Totally. Um, well, so Cindy, I have a, so both you guys can answer this. You guys um, interviewed a bunch of, like you've talked about, you interviewed a bunch of pro athletes that people's name, you know, you, people recognize their names. Um, and I would love to know kind of who you, who you liked talking to the most and not a popularity thing, but more, maybe more, you discovered something that you didn't know about that person, or there was a little tidbit about them. And then also what your favorite part of the book was, um, to work on. So Cindy, why don't you start? Gosh, I mean, I, I don't know if I can single out any of the athletes. Or maybe, maybe not the person. Okay. But maybe that, 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 that might've been like, yeah, who's your favorite student asking a teacher? That's not fair. But, um, (laughs) but what about the most, what, what about the most, like the favorite part of your book? Like what section do you like to write about the most? 
gosh. Well, I mean, I actually haven't given birth. So I, while I've written a little bit about pregnancy and running before, I mean, I learned so much from Neely and the experts that we worked with in that chapter. So even though that isn't a part of my personal experience, I yeah. enjoyed working on that so much. And again, just seeing the need for it and, um, and just seeing too, you know, the resources that Neely had already put together on this um, and the help that she has been giving athletes on this topic through the years to be able to like tap into that knowledge and that network and then add to it and put it out in a way that's going to help even more people. That was just really gratifying. That's um, cool. And then other than that, you know, it's really kind of ties into the question that you asked before and something that we noticed when we talked to all of the other elite athletes that we talked to is that almost all of them had some kind of obstacle or setback as part of their story. And again, that's an inherent part of the athletic experience and kind of a necessary step along the way to reaching a breakthrough. So the parts of, of where people were kind of vulnerable and shared those parts of their stories, whether it was Starla Garcia talking about her experience with um, an eating disorder or Elise Cranny talking about her body image or, you know, Sarah Hall talking about not achieving goals in a certain way, but then achieving different goals in a different way. Um, you know, the, those stories of comebacks really resonated. And then of course we have a whole chapter um, on resetting for success and, and, you know, kind of guiding people along the steps of what I was just talking about earlier of grieving your losses and then recalibrating and moving on. And in that chapter, we talked to Dr. Megan Roach, who has had some setbacks and some extremely fantastic accomplishments after those setbacks. So those are the kinds of things that resonated the most for me. Nice, nice. And Neely, what about you? You're not allowed to say the pregnancy chapter. I'm just <laughs> Sorry, We Neely. talked enough about that. <laughs> yeah. So actually, one of my favorite chapters um, is the mindset chapter. And I think that you know, as a coach, this is something that I've been like super interested about and like fascinated by. Um, because when I was in college, I took a sports psychology class and it was like one of my absolute favorite classes I ever took. Um, and so the mindset chapter was really important to me because that's such a critical, um, component to, being successful and like chasing down a big goal. Right. And I feel like we provide so much useful and helpful information in there from like ways to, um, set mantras and shift the mindset to positive things, um, to kind of ana analyzing like, okay, what did I do? Right. What did I like? What would I change? Um, and helping people kind of process through. Um, and so I think that that chapter is going to be really, really beneficial and um, powerful to people who choose to read it um, yes. and choose mm -hmm. to, you know, buy the book and check that out. So I'm really excited about that one. Um, and then I found that when we were talking with um, the other athletes, it's really fun because these are like friends of mine and they're also competitors that I've raced with over the years. And so I think it was just so interesting to hear um, them be so like open and, you know, it's, it's hard because even like me as someone who's raced against them and like, you know, has run um, fast times that are, you know, kind of similar um, to most of them. Um, and so it still always amazes me how like normal 
um, they are and how relatable they can be um, and that they're just people. And so I think that really comes through in each of the stories that we share. Um, you know, when we talked with Molly Huddle, it's like she's had some big ups and downs, but she also has had some really good consistency and she shares about that. Um, and so it was it's really nice to see like she's human. She's made mistakes. Um, things haven't gone her way at times and she's had to work hard to rally at moments. Um, and so I think that the stories, um, it just, it humanizes a lot of these, uh, women that, you know, I kind of fangirl myself and I know that others do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. All the ladies that you picked are, are great. So you did a really great job of getting a diverse group of women. And I love the forward from Alicia Montano that that was great too. So, um, kudos for that. Um, so you, you mentioned mantras and I know that I picked up a couple from you Neely about trust the process and you can do hard things, which are great. So I was just curious if you wanted, um, Cindy, if you wanted to share your mantra, um, or your favorite go-to mantra. Well, it's actually similar to when you just said, except instead of you can do hard things, I always tell myself you do hard things. Um, I take the can out of it because for me, what really resonates is the fact that I have done hard things in the past. I continue to do hard things. And so therefore I have the ability to do this hard thing that's in front of me. Um, I don't know why that subtle shift um, just makes a really big difference for me, but that's something that I say to myself all the time um, when I am in a tough workout or a run that isn't going my way. <laughs> so it's it's nothing, uh, nothing, you know, it is similar to what you just said, but just a slight, a slight update. Yeah. We I all have that. our own, our own yeah. little adaptations mm. on different mantras. Dimity, do you have a favorite mantra? You know, the one that I used most recently um, when I raced last September um, was uh, like, stay engaged. That's one, stay engaged and no regrets. Um, mm-hmm. The coach that I use that I really liked, um, or she, the coaches I use that I do really like, but she told me before, she's like, if I'm traveling to a race, like I want to get on the airplane at the end of the, at the end of, you know, when I'm going back home and not have any regrets. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's so great because again, it's not necessarily time goals um, or something mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm going to miss it. If I miss it by 15 seconds, I'm going to be really disappointed. But like, mm-hmm. did I do everything I wanted to do? Yeah, I did. And now I get to go home <laughs> and mm-hmm. rest for a while. <laughs> I love that. Sarah, what are your mantras? So I came up with this one. I always, I need outside motivation. So it's always run for others who can't. So when I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm really in a bad place, I think about people who aren't able to run, like, you know, whether it's personal, somebody I know who's injured or sick. And then like, I'm like, I'm here, I'm doing this. I have no excuses. So that tends to help me just get bad, get through those bad spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I used to, um, back in high school, I would dedicate a race to different people. Um, and so each time I would race, I would like have that person who I dedicated the race to. And sometimes it would be like my grandpa, or sometimes it would be like, um, uh, a good friend who was sick or, you know, whatever it was, but it like, it does, it makes it more meaningful for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we know, we all know friends, even if they're not like seriously injured, they can't run for whatever reason. Like any given day, I have a friend who has an injury. So I just think, <laughs> you know, maybe not dedicating a race to them, but just think like, 
you know, she's not able to run and you are, and your legs are here and they're moving and just, you know, get, get past this. And that seems to help him a lot, but I love also like trust the process, just like, or you can do hard things and things like that. It's just anything. I love mantras. And as a coach, I'm always inspiring my, my athletes to use them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's wrap it up with this. Um, Neely, at the end of the book, there's a great quote, um, and you might have written it, or Cindy might have written it. It doesn't matter. Um, it reads, some people have little goals and some have big goals, but those who have both are likely to be the most successful. Dream big, my friends, and then start small. We never know what's possible unless we try. So um, so we're wondering, what are you dreaming big about these days? Um, we'll ask Neely first, but Cindy, you're up next, so you have a, you have a second to think. <laughs> Yeah, so that was an Instagram post I did. Um, oh, okay, nice. And, uh, and then we kind of took it from that, and we were like, "That that that was really good." And sometimes I like surprise myself when I scroll back through Instagram, and I'm like, "Oh, that sounded oh. really smart and intelligent <laughs> and like inspiring." And I wrote it when I was like halfway asleep, but wow, <laughs> go me! <laughs> um, so that was one of those moments. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, right now I am trying to be really patient um, and like ease back in, in this postpartum first year, uh, Rome is 10 months. And so um, running has been clicking a lot better. My body is handling it um, a lot more than it did um, after I had Athens, but I'm also just really being patient and, um, conservative. And so for me, um, I am eyeing up that, uh, 2024 Olympic trials marathon standard as my next big goal. Um, and so that would make it, uh, my fourth, uh, nice. Olympic trials in a row, if I can qualify. Um, and I definitely feel like it's in my wheelhouse. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I know it's not going to be easy, but I, I'm someone that I like goals that I feel like are within reach. And I feel like this one is, uh, within reach and, um, the time frame that I have, I feel like, uh, allows me, um, several opportunities if I need, uh, that to happen because it's, you know, unlike the 2020 trials where I had, you know, <laughs> six weeks of decent training to prepare for Houston, which was the final day to qualify. Um, this one will be a little bit less stressful. Um, and yeah, I'll have a little bit more time. Um, and not all the onus will go on, you know, one race after, um, you know, uh, a bad injury. So I'm super hopeful for that. So that's kind of what's next for me. Um, and then I I'm looking to just kind of work my way back slowly over the next several years. Um, you know, I'm a pretty, uh, hands-on mom at the moment. And so I know that these days are fleeting and I like to, um, you know, kind of maximize my time with the kids and, I recognize that someday they will be in school and I will have a lot more time to uh, dedicate to training. And so I just kind of see that transition happening slowly over the next couple of years. And Cindy, what about you? Do you, do you have a, a, a summer or a full of races or something this fall or next year or anything on your mind? 
Yeah. My next running goal really is uh, running the Chicago marathon this fall. I haven't run the race, uh, Chicago since uh, 2012, but this is the 20th anniversary of the very first time I ran it and back when I first started running in 2002. So I'm really excited about that. And I don't really have a time goal, but I do also have a fundraising goal. I'm raising money for Chicago Run, which is an organization here that empowers youth through running programs. And uh, so just to be able to tie those things together to run once again on the streets of the city that I call home and honor kind of the beginning beginning of my running career and where I am now. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So it is kind of one of those goals. It's not a, a, as much about performance as it is about the meaning that I'm making out of it. And after that, I actually am really thinking about um, this idea of guiding. I've had some uh, issues with uh, retinal detachments and eye problems myself. So the idea of guiding visually impaired runners is really compelling to me personally. And that's something that I want to look into for next year as a way to um, add even more meaning to my miles. So those are what I'm looking at in the future. Sounds great. Yeah. Being a guide seems like such an amazing experience and there's so much more opportunity now because there's just, you know, a a lot more para athletes out there. And Mm -hmm. so there's more chances to do it for different levels as well. So good luck with that for both of you. It sounds amazing. It sounds like you guys have a lot of excitement in store and congratulations again on this fabulous book. It's just going to be a great service for so many women um, out there. Thanks so much. And thanks for the uh, smart questions. And we really appreciate the chance to have this discussion with you all. Yes. It was so fun to get to talk about something that Cindy and I have worked so hard on and it's fun that we get to do it together too. So thank you for having us. I know you guys are, like we said, you're such a great team. So congrats (laughs) on being like this great partnership. Hopefully it's the first of other, many other books or many other uh, collaborations that you guys have (laughs) together. Yeah. Well, as you two know, teamwork is really helpful. So (laughs) good luck with everything guys. Thank Thank you. you so much.